Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Octavius Crouch, Senior Client Manager, NANR of Hip Hop and R&B for Symphonic Distribution. You are now tuned into the Breaking Through, which we're going to show you how to use data and videos to launch your hip hop career. Uh, if you don't know much about me, I've, I've been in the music business for, for quite some time. I started out as an a Universal Records, working on various projects. Uh, from Chameleon Air all the way to Cash Money Records and various things in between. Uh, so from here, I don't want to focus too much on me. You know, I also like you to know about the company. Uh, we've been in business since the early 2000s, and we pretty much pride ourselves in providing a platform for various clients to get your music distributed to all the DSPs and uh, video DSPs. Uh, but to join me today, I have a great panel panel of guests uh, who have a very extensive background and I'll be honored to introduce everybody and I'm going to start with uh, a person who's um, you've probably seen online various videos gets busy in her industry um, her name is Maya Table and Maya would you be able to let the people know what you do best and who you are yay Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. My name is Maya Table. I'm a director and a producer. Um, some of the projects I produced are, um, I was a post-production producer on Travis Scott's Sickle Mode, um, produced Janelle Monae's Make Me Feel, most of Migos' videos, a bunch of Usher videos, um, producing um, Apple's Rap Life, um, and I also direct. Um, recently, I directed some commercials for Head & Shoulders and Google's um, and just been doing a lot of um, animation snippets during COVID. And I also just recently um, directed the change video that Jermaine Dupri and Neil did via Zoom. So still just kind of like budding into my directing career. Nice, nice. And thank you for joining us today. And moving on to uh, this guy has co-founded a company I'm sure a lot of people have used for their platform. And that's Dave Ponte and like to let you step in and introduce yourself. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Octavius. Um, my name is David Ponte. I'm the co-founder and chief marketing officer for AudioMac. Uh, AudioMac is a discovery and streaming platform and app uh, that allows artists to um, or labels to put their music on the platform for free, uh, in addition to allowing fans to discover those artists um, for free as well uh, through, through a multitude of different features that allows uh, and fosters discovery for, for new artists and new sounds. Um, so this is my second sym symphonic panel. Uh, last year was a lot of fun um, and I'm hoping this year will be, be as much fun. Thank you once again for joining us. Uh, now this next person, uh, she definitely gets busy when it comes to branding and strategizing and making things pop and that is Leticia Johnson. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'll let you speak to the people as well. Thank you so much Octavius. I'm so excited to be here. Um, my name is Leticia Johnson. I am the founder and chief brand strategist at Visionary Rising Agency and we founded in 2016 and we are a full-scale agency and production studio really focused on crafting um, authentic campaigns driven by creators and culture for brands who want to reach diverse audiences. Um, prior to that, and kind of in tandem, I also work in technology for a lot of great companies um, on the data side for Nielsen Media for a number of years, 
Microsoft, and more recently, Apple. Excited to be here. Again, we thank you for joining us. Uh, now, next up, another agency that you're definitely familiar with, and if you're not, you're about to find out. Uh, I'd like to welcome Jesse uh, onto the stage. Uh, Jesse, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Like David said, this is my second symphonic panel, me as well. Uh, last year, RapCon was a ball. Now it's a, a totally different world. It's Zoom life, baby. It's a pandemic. <laughs> and uh, I am having some technical difficulties as uh, I'm, I'm a little bit nomadic these days. I'm, I'm out in California and uh, the cell service is a little spotty. But I, I wanna give some background on myself. Uh, I run an agency called New. We live at the intersection of music, technology, and brands. And essentially what we do is help brands make deeper, meaningful connections to their consumers by leveraging the power of music. And we have big clients like Fortune 100 companies that we put campaigns together for, like Mondelez's portfolio of brands like Sour Patch Kids, or emerging companies like the, the new hot CBD company that uh, we're helping bring to market. Uh, we, um, my background is before I was finding and developing brands and really helping come up with these robust brand strategies, I was working with artists and I was a talent agent for a lot of artists that you might know. I was the first agent of record and my agency represented artists like Clips and Pusha T and Wale, and Big Sean, and Mike Posner, and Action Bronson, and Capital Cities, and Logic, and J. Cole, and a whole other slew of artists. Wow. Uh, and so I've got a background in the talent agency and breaking artists in kind of innovative ways. And now we do partnerships between brands and music. Perfect, man. We definitely thank you for joining us with all the knowledge. And without further ado, couldn't forget this last uh, great person who's once again, very experienced in the digital side of this business when it comes and has another agency that he'll be able to drop some knowledge on you. And that's uh, Jay. Uh, Jay, can you step up to the stage, please? Hey, very nice to meet everybody. Uh, I'm Jay Waddell. Uh, yeah, my company's called Valor. Um, it's a spinoff from my record label, um, actually, it's Trackaholic Music Group. I started in the industry uh, back when I was like 18, I was a record producer, uh, racked up some pretty decent placements. Um, and I actually flipped it and turned into TV and film. Um, so early on, I started pitching a lot of hip hop for uh, music and television. So um, I've helped get artists and producers on, you know, the Love and Hip Hops, the Real Housewives of Atlanta, a lot of the popular shows like that, all the way up to X Games and doing stuff for ABC. Um, and then kind of from there, jumped into music tech, started a uh, company, Audio Common, out of MIT with some friends up there. Um, that was a fun run. That's how I kind of got in with Symphonic. Um, actually doing some panels together back at A3C talking about how you could leverage technology into music. Um, I was an early adapter of playlists. Um, I was working with Tuma and Spotify back in the day. I was able to get some indie artists on Most Necessary and really start um, some good trajectory. Um, these days, I'm a lot more behind the scenes. Um, I manage DJ Five Venoms from Rolling Loud. Um, I'm also managing his label, Sick World, that we just launched uh, through Symphonic. And then I also manage an artist out of 
Los Angeles name, Cliff Savage. Um, and we've been doing a ton of work in hip hop for years. So happy to be here, talk about some ways that uh, we can give artists some great tools to uh, grow their careers. We thank you once again, everybody for joining us. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're just tuning in, uh, we have a great panel of guests who's gonna definitely drop some knowledge on you today. So let's, let's kick the ball around a little bit. You know, now that everything is went digital now, you know, cause we've kind of definitely moved away from the physical side of the business. And I came in in the industry around the turning point of that uh, more than mid 2000s and ringtone era. And then it, uh, then the, the, what was it? Um, Facebook, MySpace, all of that kind of started to blossom. So the industry definitely had a curve at that time. And a lot of people, even us in the, at the majors, we didn't quite understand it. But now that we're in this market where everything is digital, everybody's online. Let me ask you guys, um, what types of data do you, is available for artists to use as a metric of success now when they're trying to gauge how well they're doing in the market? Everything. <laughs> Everything. I think um, huge metrics for success, I think, for artists that they should be looking at is um, how often are people returning to their music? So um, I know a lot of times, um, especially on streaming, they're really focused on you know, for first month or first weekend, what I want to know, understand is six months from now, what what is your your um, catalog performing and how are your videos performing? Because if you're growing, um, then that's a metric that people are actually not only paying attention for the now, but they're engaged and continue to come back to find you. And that's how you create fans. I agree. Yeah, I, I thought. So at, at AudioMac, we have we have a plethora of data available to us, uh, as well as the data that we give to, to artists and, and labels as well, uh, so they can make you know wise decisions about their marketing and and their business. And uh, it's one of the reasons why AudioMac you know makes our a lot of our uh, stats and metrics available. You can see number of plays, you can see playlist ads, you can see favorites. Um, and you can see re-ups, which is, you know, our, our version of, of a retweet or, or a repost. Um, okay. And, you know, I, I tell us to artists that, that come to, to our offices quite often is that, you know, it's not just the number, the total number of plays that's important. Um, it's how people are engaging with that. So if they're adding it to a playlist, that means they want to hear it again. If they're adding it to uh, a... Uh, their favorites, that means that they're going to want to hear it again. If they're, if they're re-upping it, that means that they're vouching and they want their followers to see it. And then, of course, shares on social media is also another form of vouching. Uh, in, inside our creator dashboard, which every artist that, uh, and label that uses the platform sees for free, uh, is what type of playlist um, the song has been added to. So you can see what other types of artists uh, that, you know, their competitors are that they're with. Uh, and you can make decisions and get, glean insights from, from that information. Uh, you could also see where people are listening uh, to their music. And you could take that information and work with different booking agents and, um, you know, different people in the industry to say, all right, we need to really focus on, you know, Arizona. We really need to focus on Nigeria, right? Because yeah. AudioMac is very big in Africa. We have a lot of different users in, in a lot of the countries there. And a lot of the times the American artists don't realize that their music in Africa is as, as 
big as it is uh, in, in the States. And, and that's, that's eye-opening for a lot of artists. So really, um, it, it's more than just the, 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 the vanity stats. You really want to get in deep and see, you know, what are these other metrics that are, that are coming to me that I'm seeing that's going to let me go, all right, maybe we should focus on this song. It's getting more favorite ads. It's getting more playlist ads. Maybe we should put our, our resources and money into making a video for that song and then continue to push that. Yeah. Um, so those are just some of the things that, that we're seeing at Audio Mac. Hey, I think that's dope, man. I really think yeah. that's awesome. I, I really like to see how Audio Mac's really grown um, across the landscape over the last couple of years, especially. I think you guys are doing it the right way. I think you, in my opinion, taken over SoundCloud in terms of the culture specifically. Um, I think that's awesome. Um, I think the artists need to, of course, baseline level with the free apps, Spotify for artists, Apple Music for artists, like, you got to start with the stuff that they give you YouTube studio. Like you have to understand that, like that's fundamental, right? The Facebook metrics, like you need to understand who's coming to your page. You just need to know all of these things. Um, Spotify, they show it in public facing, but you need to jump behind the scenes and start taking a deep dive into all time. You know, um, like the young lady said, six months from now, go back all time. Let's go back 28 days. Let's go back 24 hours. Um, I think the data is all there. Um, something that I think personally for me has helped out and it's been a little bit of an investment. It's chart metric, and I don't get paid by them. Okay, and I was even asking whoa, whoa, one myself, moment. What like, was that? Say what, something what, about what, it um, before I come that, on. Um, say it again. No, I'm sorry because it had one out, so I didn't want anybody to miss that information. But what was that last program or platform you were referring to? Chart metric. Did you hear it? No, you just went out again. Uh, could you repeat that? I'm so sorry. Chart metric. Okay. And, and what's chart metric? All right. So I found it, found out about chart metric earlier in the year when I was trying to valid, validate playlists. Right. So okay. you hear about bots, you hear about fake streams, you hear about, you know, boosting, you hear about all these things that are going on across the landscape, especially with labels. And, and you hear how can indies compete with that? And so for me, whenever I'm working with clients and I'm working with my artists, I do want to understand like how good, you know, how specific can we get to the user? And, and chart metric is something that I found. Um, now, everybody should sign up at least for a seven day trial and just swipe, just spend seven days on it. That's what I did, okay? First, first time I found it, it was a free trial for seven days. And for seven days, I just lived there. And I was able to pretty much find out because it pulls the API for you from Spotify, from YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It pulls it all together and it even gives you like a score. It compares your score against other artists that have similar amounts of listeners um, in the same demographic. I mean, it takes it all the way down to like, what type of hip hop are you? Are you deep underground, a deep underground? Are you emo? Um, so for me, I think it's tools like that that really give you an advantage because who's really trying to pay $150 a month to know how many people really listen? Well, I am because I think I can turn $150 into something else by really making smart decisions with my ads, with my... Uh, with everything, like literally, I'm going to spend the money specifically to where my data is telling me to spend the money. I'm not just going to make an emotional spend and spend it in my hometown where people may not like me because they're jealous. Maybe I want to spend it in Germany where people like it because of the style of music I have. So for me, I think that's the stuff that indies need to look at. It's just ways that you can differentiate yourself, um, differentiate yourself from the competitors. I agree. And that's one thing we do here at Symphonic. We do provide a platform so you can see 
all your data, all the metrics. Uh, you can also, of course, keep track of your money, which is based upon the streams. So the more data that you have available, that will help you be able to market, promote, and you know, kind of centralize where to target the correct audience. Because one of the biggest problems that I see with artists is that they're pushing the right thing to the wrong audience. And if you kind of just focus on who this is for, and granted, we are in an era where a lot of the music is very genre bending and it, there's no labels on it per se, but you still want to be able to focus on an audience initially so you can kind of grow from there. And speaking of which, I mean, let me ask everybody, what's your thoughts? Um, what do you see that's out there as far as marketing techniques, assets, that a lot of artists are just failing to utilize to their advantage. Oh, I um, I just inboxed someone about that because um, I'm the type of person that if I see something that you could have did better, I'll just drop it in your inbox. And it's like, why did you do that? So um, a person I work with often is Brian Michael Cox. Like I'll create content for them or, or re-edits. And so he posted a poster of his song and said, yeah, check it out on Apple or Spotify. And I was just like, I'm not going to click. You need to put a snippet right here so we can hear it. And then that'll make me go click. So sometimes I think that, um, you know, artists just think that their audience are just going to engage because they posted something, which is true sometimes, but we are getting so much content to us. So you have to make it easy. So if I'm on Instagram, I don't want to click off of Instagram. If I'm on Facebook, I'm not going to click off. And the same for YouTube. So I think for me, that's the biggest thing that I see is that, um, and also artists don't create multiple kind of posts. Because, um, you know, with the new Instagram al algorithm, you could post something at 8 a.m. and I don't see it to 8 p.m. or I don't see it at all. So it's like posting that same thing over and over at least three times in different ways. So you may have posted it just with a moving image. And next time you post it with the static image and you and you'll be able to see, you know, what your followers like the most. Maybe they like the static image the most. So um, I think that's the biggest part is just, is just assuming that your fans are going to do exactly what you want to do because you posted it one time and forgetting that, they, that we have so much other stuff coming at us. Yeah. And, um, to, you know, to also speak to what Maya is saying, I think that what I see a lot of is, is artists not utilizing their own platforms, like their newsletters and their websites to integrate um, with the social media and um, other content that you're posting. Because a lot of times when you're on social media all the time, you're thinking like these are followers, but followers doesn't equate to fans. Um, so fans are going to be the ones who sign up for your newsletter, who go to your website and are checking out your music. And so in order for you to kind of engage with them on a consistent basis is yes, absolutely post it to your social media profile because that is what's going to get everyone out there, but then also double back and send out that weekly recap to your, the people on your newsletter focus on growing that newsletter, re-engaging them, sending them exclusives, because the more that you're able to engage with them directly, then you're going to be able to break out, not necessarily only focusing on social media because everyone is on social media right now. I like that because you got to circle back and mm -hmm. you got to keep targeting, not spam, but uh, like Maya said earlier, it's just, same content, but just different, a different way of presenting it. But now is there- yeah, One more thing too, to it. Um, so I directed a video for this one artist and I posted it to my page, but then I got flagged and I wasn't able to use it um, because of her music. 
And so that happens to so many artists. And I always wonder like, well, how do you want, people can't like share your video or make, you know, um, create their own videos and put your song if it's being blocked. So I think this is something that artists should think about. Like think about which songs you just want for social media to possibly go viral and which ones do you actually want to make money from royalties from? Yes. That's a great I, I, I would say, go ahead. I would say an area that artists should focus on, and I know that it's a performance is, is, is very important and the aesthetic of a performance is very important, but I would think that live streaming, I see how powerful it is as a uh, medium. And I, I feel like more and more artists should embrace uh, the live streaming space and, and look at it as something that is not going to go away even post pandemic. Uh, and in the foreseeable future, I think that live stream is going to continue to grow. And I think it's here to stay. And I, I feel like there's new worlds that are happening uh, that are also going to be great marketing opportunities for artists and great ways to partner uh, in these kind of virtual worlds that are happening. And um, and from, you know, everything from Wave XR to Fortnite, to a lot of these ones that are coming up, I feel like I've seen a lot of artists grow and, and, and build and connect to their audience, which they can't normally through, through doing performances by doing live streaming. I agree. But in, I know we've been speaking a lot about social media and that's always a good launch pad to build your following, get the word out there, go viral, you know, with TikTok and Instagram and things of that nature. But ultimately you do want to get everybody to the DSPs. And if you're not familiar with a DSP is, that's um, referring to Apple Music, Tidal, uh, Spotify, of course. Um, and of course, YouTube as well. So, because at the end of the day, this is where you're going to make your money from the streams by being on the DSPs. So since so many artists tend to be focused, uh, particularly on social media, what are ways that they can use to move their, their following or audience from the free platforms to the platforms where they can actually make money? I think paid advertising. I, I know that a lot of times artists tend to uh, shy away from it because they want organic, they want, they want viral, they want the, the authentic connection, but I think that to diversify your marketing strategy, right? Um, it's not just about posting it. Their Facebook and Instagram especially have really great ads managers where you can go in and target their audience directly and retarget them. And again, it goes back to the website, the newsletters, right? How are you engaging with people and driving them to actually take an action? Um, a lot of another area is also brand partnerships. How are you engaging with brands to utilize their audience to then drive them back to a specific action? Um, a lot of times when people are on social media, they're not going to click out of social media and then go somewhere else. So then you have to really be targeted to them and how you run those ads to you know, have them sign up for an email, have them sign up for a, um, uh, a pre-save or pre-add where as it's going through, it'll automatically get added to their playlist so when they see it. So then they don't have to worry about coming back, clicking again, saving again, 
And then also, you know, I love Audiomatic because I always say this, they are the platform for discovery. Um, so really look at and engage on that platform to see how you can engage with your audiences directly. Yes. Thanks, Latisa. Uh, and Dave, I was going to ask your thoughts, Dave. <laughs> yeah, um, well, everything she said is 100% correct, of course. Uh, no, uh, I, I think everyone is making really good points. I'm actually just learning a lot, uh, just listening to everyone. Um, but I think, actually, I wanted to answer the last sort of question we have, and I think that also um, folds into what we're talking about now, where, um, you know, how, how can you, marketing is, how can you present, present your product or service to the right person at the right time, right? A very simplified way to look at it um, and advertising as well. So I think one small technique that I, I've been harping on for a while is, you know, every Thursday night and Friday, everyone drops music, you know, as a curator and as someone who manages a whole team of curators, we spend, you know, up to 10 hours each going through all the music, hundreds and hundreds of songs. And if you're a, music, a person looking to discover music, um, it's just too much. You know, a song that I might, you know, put on the top of our trending page or that is on a, a, a leading one of our big playlists um, on a Tuesday may be the 30th or 40th thing down on a Friday. So if I'm an independent artist uh, or even a developing major label artist, um, you know, I would look to put music out on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Um, Thursday mornings. Uh, not that you can't put music out on, on, on the most common day, but it's the most saturated day. So you, maybe you're going to have a little more real estate and have a little bit more time the whole week to promote your song or your video um, to your fans, as opposed to being just one of the hundreds that are all putting them out on Friday. And I think with social media posting, um, you could spend that those Tuesdays and Wednesdays talking about the music that you just put out. You know, if you're going to put out, uh, if you're going to post a picture on Instagram of, you know, you, you're wearing your best fit, you're looking good, um, try to work that into like a song you just put out. Don't just put a picture of you looking good on Instagram and put, find some quote, you know, and put it up there. How does that post relate to the music that either you're going to put out or that you have just put out? Try to make it connect there so that when someone is reading it and looking at it, they, it's sort of a riddle that they could figure out and be like, oh, I actually want to go listen to that song because really the best way to get someone to take an action is to convince them that they thought of taking the action themselves, as opposed to you telling them about it. We call it planting a seed in their head to, to take the action. And then now it's something that they had their own free will to do. And then ultimately that's someone who's a fan who's, you know, taking this action because they want to take the action. So it, there's really think about every little thing that you're doing with an Instagram post, with a tweet, with a TikTok, um, to try and get them to go to, you know, AudioMac or any DSP uh, to actually listen to that song. That, that makes a lot of sense. And once again, here at Symphonic, we, we do try to educate the client on timing of the releases because one of the biggest issues that artists fail to do is just be on time with the delivery of the content because you you want to get on the playlist but they don't realize there's thousands of submissions every week and these things are done three to four weeks in advance and if you're not planning the assets the content the pictures the videos everything on time to provide to the dsp 
why would you expect it to get featured in a playlist or any type of editorial? So timing is very key in this industry. And especially with the visual, I like that's a good point that we can segue into is that now that visual is a big part of everything with social media, of course, uh, now you have two components. You have the Instagram, the TikToks, and then over here you have YouTube. So it's like, now when an artist is looking at both, what's the pros and cons of utilizing these assets and which one would be best to, as their option to pursue first, especially if they're trying to get started? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> and also it's like you, you, you find out where your strongest audience is. Um, so sometimes I have labels come to me and they already have their full music videos planned out and they just hire me to come up with a campaign for that day that the album launches. So I did that with Light Skin Keisha recently and with the artist named Saucy Santana. So it's just like, help us create hype around this artist. Um, so for me, it was great. So my idea is always doing small snippets because you do a snippet that's 30 seconds or 60 seconds instead of spending money on one full music video, we can do six 30 second videos. And just for me, it's thinking of the most creative things that's a bit shocking for the audience. For, so Santana is super effeminate. He wears nails and heels. So for him, if he dresses super masculine, so he recreated, you know, um, Big Worm from Friday. And then we, he recreated, what else did we create? Scar, Scarface and all these super okay. dominant characters. And I had him perform each song and it looked really beautiful and he went viral. It trended on um, Twitter and Instagram that day. And this is more about that shock value. And then the full length videos we put on YouTube because his YouTube audience is, you know, it's kind of their own beast. And then with YouTube doing premieres. So it's all about just building excitement, not just dropping something. Like if you know it's coming out on Friday, get us excited that it's coming out on Friday. Cause if you're hyped, then I'm going to get hyped too. Um, and then just make sure that you have, you know, something different for each platform. I agree. Yeah. I Jay, agree. oh, oh, Valencia, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying I agree. And Jay, let uh, me. I would say that. Just one. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that each platform has its own strengths, too. So I agree with Maya that you got to kind of do everything uh, and test and measure to see which you're getting the best results on and where your fan base is, is really galvanizing or at least behind you and you're getting the best engagement but each platform has its own strengths so there are different platforms that have different kind of messages or or, or kind of better ways to utilize i would say use utilizing snapchat and tiktok different than you might be utilizing instagram and youtube so it's all about really knowing what your brand stands for knowing what your audience wants and then crafting messages to the strengths of each platform now, let me ask you, with that said, what type of content works best on social media opposed to YouTube? Yeah, I, YouTube is a client of mine. So I've worked closely with YouTube Music and I understand their platform really well. Their sweet spot is the short to long form video. So they really win in the three to five minute range uh, and not that much longer. I, it doesn't need to be the longest video on YouTube. And it, it it's way more searchable on YouTube in terms of with Google, obviously because of being owned by Google as its parent company. And, and so YouTube, I would utilize for shoulder content, 
for that's like these kind of ancillary videos behind the scenes longer form videos and i would also uh push youtube the kind of final product that's a little bit glossier uh versus other platforms uh like an instagram i would use the snippet i would use the 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 gif i would use the reel i would use the click to um, I would use the kind of that image that really is glossy. Uh, but I, you know, YouTube is as just clear strengths over other platforms when it comes to video and, and search for video. It okay. doesn't even have to be super complicated. It can be lyric videos. Like um, people were reaching out to Estelle because I forgot what the name of the movie was. It came out on Netflix and she had a song in there. And so she hit me up the next day, like, hey, people keep wanting to hear this song and I need to do a video. So let's do a lyric video. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So sometimes it doesn't have to be something super drawn out. And that was just a couple hundred dollars and it was super easy. So sometimes it's, it's also just, you know, just putting something out so your fans have it. And then if, if that's going great, then it helps you measure, well, let me give them another version of this. So it doesn't have to be like super expensive, I would say. Yeah, I, I agree. agree. I think in addition to, um, to that and, and you both bring up a lot of good points, man, especially about trying to touch everything. I, th I think one of the things that's important too is genuine content, right? So um, you guys talk about everyone kind of being at home. I think it's kind of an advantage that people aren't taking advantage of, right? It's, it's that everyone's kind of outside of their element. So to your point, there are going to be tech issues. There are going to be things that may have been frowned upon, right? In the normal world that everybody's kind of going through. So I think Genuine content is important. I don't think people should chase fads if that doesn't work for them. Um, I had a friend who was signed to a label and he's like a gangster rapper and they had him doing a dance challenge and it just didn't connect, you know, at all. It just did not connect. And um, and so it's, it's things like that. Like you got to know your audience. Um, you got to know what's important. Some people it works for, some it doesn't. Um, but I think for indies specifically, I think they just have to be smart because dollars are important when you're independent and you listen to everyone, you're going to blow your budget on one song and you're not even going to put the audio, I mean, the video out, right? So I think, um, Maya, you're, you're on point with the six 30-second videos. Um, there was this client I met out of Harlem. Um, he had the series called Minute Mondays. And on every Monday um, up until COVID hit, he dropped a minute video with a new song and he dropped it on streaming services the same day. Um, and I think that was a good way for him to always stay relevant. Um, so, sometimes songs can get long winded. Your second verse isn't as good as your first. So it allows you to kind of showcase the best part of yourself, um, right? And kind of build up that excitement. But to me, it's always going to be genuine content that wins. Um, if you're a gamer, you need to be on Twitch, right? You need to be focusing on the things that are important to you because that's what's going to translate to the people that are going to feed off of you, you know? So just genuine content. And um, I'll just say this uh, as a music guy, make sure the music is good because you can spend all of this money and you can do all of this stuff and you can do all of these things. But at the end of the day, music still matters, you know? So I just want people to remember to like also focus on your craft and make sure you're not making music for yourself. Like, we do this for other people. So uh, for as much as we're pouring ourselves into it, we got to understand what people want and we got to focus on giving them things that are good. I agree. And, and back and uh, touch on something Maya mentioned about uh, just even getting a lyric video out because we recently released a song with Jermaine Dupri uh, called Change, which we worked with Maya with. 
And uh, she did a beautiful job on the performance video. But prior to that, we needed something to go out with the single. So we internally just crafted a lyric video just to have something up there at the day of the release. You don't need much sometimes, but you just want to make sure you have enough content to fill various sectors in, a, in regards to your platforms. Because you want to touch everything. Because you always tell artists, you want to put all the dots out there and let the people connect them because you never know how somebody's really gonna come across your music. It can be in a TikTok. It may be because there's a video on YouTube or somebody shared something on Instagram. But either way, you just gotta make sure you have enough content to touch on that. And it has me thinking, I was seeing an article this morning, um, it was on a newsletter, Tropical. So you know that uh, the, the OG legend, Buster Rhymes released a new album and this is a person who came, he's been around various eras of the industry, all the way back to the physical, of course. And now he releases this anticipated album in the digital world. And the article was cool. It touched on a lot of things about how somebody of his caliber can still transcend and still make it now. And it touched on the fact that you have to touch on the various audience. You got to release the music independently. And there's so many things to touch on now, but now that everything is truly digital, especially post-COVID, it's like, how can the artists navigate through this oversaturated field now since everybody's focused on just going digital now? Yeah, I mentioned, yeah, I mentioned it earlier about, you know, dropping earlier in the week is certainly one very, you know, easy thing that you could take advantage of. Uh, I think one thing that, that, that Busta kind of did was, um, and you're seeing pretty much every artist do this is releasing a, a regular full length album and then a deluxe version. Um, I, I've wrote in the past about, you know, the way that you could use streaming services and just this sort of infinite amount of tracks that you could put on an album to your advantage, because I don't think anyone really wants like a 30s or 40s album track, uh, 40 song album. Um, if you have 40 songs and you want to put all of them out, why not release them in different portions? 10 songs here, 10 songs there, 10 songs this week, 10 songs a, a month later. I mean, a deluxe is one way to do it. Um, you know, you see artists, they put, uh, my favorite is that you, when you release a deluxe, the, the new songs are at the beginning of the album. So once you listen to that, the, 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 the album that has been out plays immediately after and you could get back into that mode. Um, you know, I seen like artists like Gunna, Gunna released one of Deluxe and he sprinkled the new songs in every other song. And it was like for a curator, it's impossible to, I don't even remember what song is new and old, but uh, I think that can be, can be effective, uh, especially for an artist like Gunna. Um, so, like, you know, you could, you have the ability to be creative with this new streaming ecosystem that we're in. It's not a physical limitation of an, a, per, a certain amount of songs that fit on a CD or a cassette. You know, you could be creative. You could do five songs and then do another five songs two weeks later, and now you have a 10 song EP. You know, there, there's just ways to manipulate it so that, um, you know, you could get in front of as many people as possible. Uh, and I think we're getting towards that now with with these deluxes, but I, I hope that it gets a little bit more creative uh, and, and uh, you know, you could utilize this infinite amount of space and really the catalog that that is available to artists now. Yes. Now from, from everybody else 
our branding geniuses. What's some of your thoughts on how they can, I guess, stand out now in this market with everybody once again focusing on trying to push their music the same way? To be honest, it's visuals. I think visuals are key. You have to, like, everything has to be visual. So, I mean, that's probably my closing piece on that is the only way to stay relevant now is audio and but you have to have some type of compelling video, the video, the animations, you know, you got to have animated graphics. You can't just get by necessary with the old things, the cover art, this dope and good music. You kind of have to have every single piece of it. So I think you have to make the music visual. Yeah. And also for me, I think it's also about like not only the visual, but also figuring out what your audience wants. It's also about, you know, building a really great strategy. Um, and for me, strategy is about building on the last thing that you did. And a lot of times what I'll see in it with independent artists, even with some, some um, major artists who kind of take their audience for granted is that they're coming out with fragmented strategies. Nothing is connected, nothing makes sense. Um, as an audience, as a consumer, why should I pay attention to your music if I don't even know what you did last week? And so finding ways to really tie it together and building out effective campaigns. And what is an effective campaign? It's an experience. So whether you're engaging with a brand to get on their platform or you're going out and you're driving people people from social media back to, to your own platform, your website, your newsletter, what is that experience? And that's how you're going to stand out um, is to continue to create that experience for your consumers, build on strategies using the visuals, but then there's also a companion. Now I have this exclusive, excuse me, this exclusive, and now I'm, I'm continuing to build and to build and to build to, to Maya's point. So now I'm excited, right? Like. I, as a consumer, as a brand strategist, I'm excited because the artist is excited and they're providing me something new every single time. I agree with that. And um, that's one of the things that we try to work with with our clients is just the strategy. Because we're one of the distributors that do provide the marketing services for clients. So that way you're not just putting a release out there, you're actually having a, a plan action and a way to attack everything and a lot of people just think they're just going to put the content up there and just let it go but you do have to be very strategic you know every artist thinks very highly of themselves and we we do as well we think highly of you but everything is executed the key word is timing because you'll see one artist like a Beyonce or somebody they appear to drop this project overnight and everybody just just embraces it but they're not factoring in all the logistics that lined up to make that appear like it just dropped out of nowhere. Cause you know, Dave will tell you this content assets has to be handed in on time to meet these deadlines. Same thing I did with this Jermaine Dupree record with change. It was a, it was a crazy turnaround and it was a lot of scrambling. Yes, we're used to that behind the scenes, but you can do that with certain caliber artists. If you're just coming up, yeah, it's not going to work and there has to be a demand there and i love that you mentioned beyonce because i i use beyonce as an example all the time i see a lot of artists and i'm going to bring up websites again but i just see too many independent artists abandoning their websites and so i have this idea that i say it's the beyonce method 
when Beyonce releases something, she releases it on her website, she releases it on her platform, she releases it at, but it's always through her own platform. So if Beyonce can have a website and a newsletter to engage people, every artist in their team and independent label should at the very least have a website and a newsletter. And that's the last time I promise I'm gonna mention what I said. No, 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 you're fine. Like, everybody everybody like, is tuning in to get this information, which now that brings us to our last question, which is in everybody's opinion, what services should artists utilize to launch their, to have a successful release with all the various, when I say services, you know, you have marketing, you have publicity, uh, what what are things that, and even if it is an obvious thing, they may need a reminder. So what are some services that artists should utilize to have a successful release? Um, I think you want to, oh, sorry, go ahead, Maya. Oh, no, I was, this is going to be a shameless plug. I was like onboarding like a content creator that can like create stuff very quickly on your team and flip it around fast is like super important. So that way when things happen, I'm already there, because that, that happens quite often. I'm already there just at my computer just for days drinking coffee, but I'm with it because I know that that's okay. We're just, it's just for a week or two. So I think that's super important. That way you don't even have to think about that. You can just tell that person what you want and they just crank it out for all those platforms. I agree with Maya there. I, I think that it's important that you've got someone on your team that can coordinate your content because you need to be moving at the speed of culture. The name of the game right now in breaking an artist is relevancy and the way to stay relevant above everything, unfortunately, even the music is to stay at top of So you need to be flooding your platforms with content strategically in a way that you're continuing to show up over and over again, hitting your fans over the head with new fresh content ideas. And then even the content you've made cut up in all of these different ways. That's the beauty of, of these platforms is it doesn't cost anything to post. So you might as well, and it's proven time and time again that it's most effective if you continue to post and you continue to flood. And if you shoot a video, you shoot it in a hundred different pieces of content that, that can then go across all of these different platforms. Uh, there's really a, an efficient way to game the system. And, and that's really gravitating towards where you're celebrated but flooding all of these different platforms so you stay at the top of the social graph. Yes, and I do feel that people or clients, labels, artists, uh, one crucial thing you have to think about is your team. Um, you need somebody who's gonna do marketing. You also have to understand marketing and publicity are two separate things. So you do need that publicist or entity that can create the story because marketing is going to more so create ideas of how we can market and push this out here but you want that that publicist who can actually craft a story take your assets and actually create something where people are going to want to listen to it then you're going to need a promo team it is good to have a manager if you can self-manage that's great but you may a couple things may fall through the cracks and is there any other teams that you guys may recommend that or services that uh, artists should make sure they have in place preparing for a release? Find a graphic designer and make them your best friend. <laughs> yes. You Seriously. definitely need somebody to do that artwork. Seriously. Stay off of Canva. Stay off of Canva. <laughs> Stay off of Over. Mm -hmm. um, 
And yeah, to your point, Octavius, you know, get a team because as much as we hear about the Travis Scott's that produce rap engineer, right. Do all these things. Like you need to space it out and you need to, a support team around you and not yes, man. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Yes. And I think, I think a project manager or someone to really just focus on strategy to add into all the other pieces that they mentioned that you all mentioned publicist. Yes. Content creator. Absolutely. Social media manager. Right. Because a lot of times the content creator is not going to be the same as a social media manager. And you have to understand that difference. Graphic designer, marketing, and then also a strategy, someone who's pulling it all together. Um, that way, the artist is just creating the content. That's their only job is to create the content and post it. Everyone else is going to figure out when it should be posted. Everyone else is going to figure out how to drive it, where to put it, all of that. Um, I see a lot of artists making their jobs harder than it has to be because they're not building effective teams. And to add to that, the the big area that that for artists that we haven't really covered in terms of getting your content out there is partnerships, partnerships with artists, other artists, and also partnerships with brands. So mm -hmm. in order to service brands properly, you need need to be making content that brands want to be affiliated with and brands are used to working with influencers artists are so much more talented than influencers artists make music so they should be a really viable option for brands to work with even on a smaller more narrowed focused level where their fans are really kind of committed so i think that you got to have somebody on your team that can work with brands or knows how to work with brands if it's your booking agent that also slashes is your, your brand agent. Uh, I definitely think that you want to be courting the power of brands because it amplifies your message and also it can be a great revenue stream. Yeah. Great, great. Everybody made some great points, which uh, does bring us to the end of this uh, journey today. And I definitely hope that everybody tuning in learned something from these great guests and what i like to do is let everybody you know i'll start around um get everybody let everybody give their final thoughts on what artists need to make it you know in your opinion uh, now i'll start with dave what, what do you feel do artists need just to to have a chance out here i think an artist needs to truly have a passion for what they're doing um we you know, sometimes you see artists that just kind of want to be famous or just want to be like, want to have cloud or notability. Um, those artists either don't make it ever or th their, their run is very limited. So just be passionate about what you're making. You know, don't make a dance video like, like Jay was saying, unless you're a dancer, right? I, I mean, it's, it seems simple. Um, I would also suggest to artists that it's all about productivity. And I believe I said this last year on the panel um, for Symphonic, but make do make a lot of posts on social media, make a lot of songs. Doesn't mean you have to put out a lot, but just make a lot, get better at what you're doing. Make at least 10,000 songs before you consider yourself as good as you're gonna get, right? Um, because yeah. people, the true fans and the people that influence other fans are gonna wanna, you know, cape for the artists that are really talented that are really doing something different and with that comes a passion 
come also comes the proliferation of, of the music and also comes um, the ability to differentiate themselves. So um, just be as productive as you can, make as many songs, write as many songs, work as, with as many different producers. And then, you know, related to the last question, you know, what services should they use? I would recommend using all of them. I wouldn't, you know, of course I could just say, oh, use AudioMac, we're gonna solve all your problems. But I actually don't believe that. I want artists to use even our competitors. Make the funnel as wide as it possibly could be to get the fans hooked in. And then, you know, towards the bottom of the funnel is where your smart link would be, where I would hope AudioMac would have, have some real estate there. Um, and that's where you're trying to get people to do to, to, to eventually to take those engagement metrics like I was talking about earlier, to save your song, to add it to their playlist, to share it on social media. Um, so that, that's what I would recommend. And then of course, patience. Um, you know, people, stars are made overnight, even if they appear like it. Um, it really takes a constant, you know, focus on the craft uh, to be patient, to work with the right people, not just your friends, not that you can't work with friends too, but uh, to work with the right people that are going to have your best interests in mind that are talented at what they do uh, to, to truly have a good team that's going to be behind you uh, so that you could achieve your goals. And it may not even be to, to be the size of an artist like a weekend or a Drake or, or Beyonce, you know, there's, there's a middle class of artists that make a very good living, do what they love, support their families and get to spend every day doing what, what they love to do. Um, so I, I, would, I would advise to have, you know, that as a goal as opposed to becoming famous or notable. It's about doing what you love for a living and reaching those fans. I agree. Now, uh, Leticia, what, what's your recommendation, your final thoughts? Oh man, I have to follow that. <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, I've been saying it all the time, but I think um, understanding your audience and, you know, at bare minimum, a website and a newsletter so you can kind of craft your narrative. Um, in addition to that, as you know, David said, I, I would use it all, right? There are so many tools and resources um, that are out there for artists and their teams to really kind of integrate into the digital landscape. And so, we're in the streaming era and you do yourself a disservice as an artist if you're not at least trying all of these different things. You're right about that. Uh, Jesse, um, your final thoughts. Yeah, I'm a New Yorker, even though I happen to be in Topanga Canyon right now. So I'm all about the hustle and I feel like New Yorkers reward the hustle. And I feel like in art and, and especially in putting out your art and music, you've got to be everywhere i think you got to be creating an abundance of content that's interesting i think you got to be listening to your audience and continuing to super serve them i think it's all about staying staying stop at the top of the social graph and uh, you know unfortunately or fortunately in some regards uh whoever blows the most hot air so to speak is going to get the checks and so i think you got to just keep making interesting content and and keep pushing forward almost shamelessly, but with the integrity of what your passions are and what your message is. I agree, I agree. And uh, Jay, your final thoughts on everything. Yeah, everybody said it, man. I think uh, the one thing I believe in is make sure it's something that you love because if not, people can tell and you'll fizzle out. So for me, um, I don't take on projects unless I'm passionate and I ask the same of clients. 
you know, um, don't just chase the cloud. Don't just chase the names, like put some passion and love in what you're doing and you'll see the results. It's not overnight, um, like Dave said. Um, but if you got passion, then I think that's it. So for me, it starts with the love. Do you love what you're doing? Do you, do you want to be in a studio? Right. Like, what are the things that you love about it? Um, I think those are the things artists should ask themselves. And that's what's going to bring longevity. And then I was on Clubhouse the other night and somebody asked a good question. And I would just it's rhetorical. But it's like, what are we going to do after we make music? And I think that's something that artists need to be thinking about because there are ways to stay relevant in music uh, long term after being an artist. Look at people like Quincy Jones. So I like people who think about longevity. So for me, I think music is a lifetime thing. So keep some passion in everything you do and hustle and with integrity and shamelessness. I like that. Jesse, yeah. For real. yeah. And my, uh, your final thoughts. Um, yeah, I agree with everybody. Um, honestly. So I think mine would just be like the reasoning for being everywhere. You know, it's kind of like fans, we expect artists to be everywhere. So like, if you aren't on YouTube, if you don't have a Facebook page, I'm just like, why not? It's like when you go to a hotel and they don't have Wi-Fi, you're just like, everyone has Wi-Fi, you know? So it's just like certain things you kind of already expected. So I would say that is the reason for having to be anywhere or everywhere and um, and just being consistent with it. I agree. Uh, my final thoughts on it, uh, as a potential artist labeled, uh, first, uh, do your research, make sure you pick a, a distributor that works best for your needs. Yes, uh, Symphonic, we do provide a lot of various tools and assets for you to utilize this uh, and be in control. But understand if you are going the independent route, you are in control. So what you do as a leader is what we can, we can help you, you know? So the more assets you provide us, the more we can be able to benefit you and build out a structure. But from there, you also need a proper team as we discussed making sure you have a manager, some type of publicist, a marketing person, social media, video. Yes, that may sound expensive. So some people may have to wear multiple hats, but the key is making sure that you are identifying everything that's needed. So you are making sure that you are executing and help hopefully setting up for a great release. But I hope everybody learned something great today. Um, I do once again, thank you all the panelists for joining us today. It was a great discussion. And I, you know, I look forward to joining everybody again in the future for future discussions. And I thank everybody for your time today. And um, everybody have a blessed day and thank you for tuning in.